0: Today on episode 2 of 30 Days of Plight, it's time you made some new friends. I stand up for the little furry ones, and I wish Edward James almost were here to deal with these fracking witches. There will be spoilers. You've been warned. Domine labia mea peries, eros meum laudum <laughs> Welcome to 30 Days of Plight, the horror podcast where we review random fright flicks from a popular streaming service, all decided by a dice roll. I'm your host that has danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, Jay Simba. And I think I need a new theme song. So, how's your week been? I've been playing a bunch of Red Dead Revolver 2, which up until yesterday, the only horror-related stuff was uh, with animals glitching out and doing things like running into rivers and drowning themselves, or had a fish come on shore and just die. You know, kind of that like M. Night Shyamalan type shit. But uh, last night, I ended up finding half a body tied to some train tracks with a severed head nailed to a different post than a map inside. Uh, Next to the body was large writing just saying, look upon my works. So I'm hoping this takes me places because fuck if this game's main story isn't boring as all shit. But that's the start of horror hype for today. So, next up, uh, I've been listening to the song New Friends by Maddie Noise a ton. Because the video for that dropped last week and it has this perfect kind of pastel kitsch horror to it. She murders her friends, brings them back with the help of a car battery, and then decides to create a new friend by frankensteining the two bodies into one. It helps that the song is very catchy pop, and the ending credits to it have this great spacey surf rock version of the uh, song that plays over it. I'll try to put a link in the show notes, I'm still figuring out this whole jump from website to podcast type deal, so it's one of those like iron out the details type things. Finally, uh, it seems that the director's cut of Clive Barker's Nightbreed wasn't enough, as I just found out prior to this recording that we're getting a three-hour ultimate cut of Nightbreed. Now, I like Clive Barker, I haven't read any of his books, I've seen almost all the movies based on them, and we have an art book of his, which is essentially a bunch of dudes in leathers in leathers in leather with their penises or peni out I don't know whatever it's a lot of wangs I don't know what input he has as far as the release but I guess we'll find out in the coming months I think the real question is do I want to sit through a three-hour version of nightbreed before I get too lost in that thought let's talk about today's review so today we're talking about The Autopsy of Jane Doe. It's a 2016 horror thriller which co-stars Brian Cox, and even though I'm looking at a picture of him right now, my head auto-completes his character of Tommy as being played by Edward James Almost. Like it's just one of those, like, I don't know if it's I want it to be Edward James Almost or his, just his look is too close to Edward James Almost, but yeah, sorry, Brian, not just... I don't know, I kind of want Battlestar Galactica to happen here. We open up with the police investigating a murder-suicide inside of a family's home. In the basement, they find a half-buried body of a young woman, and the only thing of note from the crime scene is that all signs point to the people trying to escape. Uh, That will come back later because they really made a big point of that. Following standard procedure, they take the body to the local coroner, which happens to be a father-son tag team here with uh, Tommy and Austin. Austin blows off plans with his girlfriend to help his dad with the Jane Doe. Alright, I'm gonna take a quick aside here and say fuck Jane Doe, because her spooky shenanigans lead to the death of the coroner's pet cat. And while I'd like to root for the villain, if you hurt a pet, You are destined to burn in the hottest fires of horror hell. That cat didn't do anything to you. You're just a dick. So, fuck you Jane Doe. The autopsy begins in an attempt to find out the identity of our corpse. And from the start, things start to happen. Austin sees the ghost of the woman, uh, the aforementioned cat. Creepy versions of Let the Sun Shine In keep playing on the radio. And then there's the body itself they find fabric with sigils on it stuffed inside of her along with a paralytic flower some soil samples that show signs that she was from up north which by the way this is set in massachusetts which i didn't realize until the end and it's one of those things that they really should put more emphasis on that at you know at the beginning of the film for the reveal at the end but they didn't and it lost me Finally, inside of Jane's skin, do they do the autopsy, uh, you know, the big Y incision. At one point, Tommy peels the skin back and is just tattooed on the inside with a series of magical sigils. Our boys can't escape the building. Austin tries to burn the body, but nothing happens to it. And they put together that the body is actually from Salem. That all the things done to it probably took an innocent girl and inadvertently cursed the body with all of the bullshit done to it. Even even as I'm saying this, I can hear the confusion in my voice. Because I fully acknowledge that none of the actual people that were killed in the witch trials were witches. So I think they're just as confused as I am at this point. This body is apparently cursed and this now endless waking slumber lashes out at anyone that attempts to uh, tamper with the body. Tommy is old and decides, fuck it, take me, so long as the non-witch will leave Austin alone. Uh, the life is drained from Tommy, and Jane's body actually like mends and heals, and you see the pupils actually get their color back, all the broken bones mend, uh, the Y-scar, or y uh, incision ends up healing, blood goes back into the body, all that fun stuff. Jane's body pretty much is just like, nah, I got my fingers uh, crossed behind my back, and pulls a double heel turn, and ends up killing Austin. Police finally get in after the crazy storm that's happening outside, which is probably also related to this uh, corpse body here. And the police get in, and they say pretty much the same thing, uh, seeming like Tommy and Austin were attempting to escape, and the main cop says that he's going to take the Jane Doe body to another county and let it be that coroner's problem. Because that's good police work. That's... That's how you do things when... I guess you are a cop, I don't know. During the entirety of this film, I (laughs) spent it painting miniatures for D&D, and the autopsy of Jane Doe was my background noise, and I think that's probably the best description I can give for this film. didn't need to see the jump scares because I could tell what was coming, but the film wasn't bad enough for me to become completely disinterested in it. The acting and special effects are all solid, but I think the overall plot of your main villain is essentially a dead body really didn't do it for me. Also, that cat. Fuck you, Jane Doe. Fucking just choke on the largest bag of dicks that one can purchase for that fucking cat. Not bag of dicks for the cat, but you choke on said bag of dicks because of that cat. Ah, fuck it. So, uh, since this was pretty much a middle-of-the-road type film, I'm going to give The Autopsy of Jane Doe three body bags out of five. That's we're, we got a short one here. But uh, that about wraps up this episode of 30 Days of Plight. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at 30 Days of Plight, or by email at 30 Plight at gmail.com, and finally on the web at 30daysofplight.com. Com, uh, where we have over 350 plus written reviews of various horror films. So for all of those, that's three zero D-A-Y-S-O-F-P-L-I-G-H-T. Uh, this podcast can be found on Podbean, Stitcher, and now iTunes. So tell your friends or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And as always, I'll be right back.